Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Mets 360 here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brian Jura, and you may have heard me laugh just a second ago. We had a little technical snafu, but you know, we soldier on despite all of those things. Tonight, I'm very pleased to uh, have as my guest uh, best selling author, Peter Gallenbach. Uh, we tried to have Peter on a couple of weeks ago. We had some technical difficulties. I think we've got them all ironed out now, so let's get right to it. Peter, welcome, and, and thanks for joining us tonight. It's my pleasure, Brian. Great to be here. Thank you. Well, you know, it's September, and uh, uh, the rosters have expanded. And to me, that's always seemed like a a crazy thing where we play by rules, one set of rules for five months out of the year, and then the most important month of the season, we play by an entirely different set of rules. Uh, (laughs) Am am I crazy? Um, is, is, Is this something that MLB should do something about? Well, you're not crazy. It was funny. I, I was at the, the the Rays game today against the Minnesota Twins, a game the Rays needed to win in order to to make a a, a move towards the wild card in the American League, and and we were sitting and discussing just that because uh, September 1st you can bring up as many pitchers as you want. It's like an army of pitchers, and so uh, what you end up having in the games after September 1st is you have you know, one pitcher after another, you've got the lefty come in against the lefty batter, and he pitches to one guy, and he brings in the next guy in, and he brings in the next guy in, and the next guy in. You can do that because you've got, you know, 12 relief pitchers in addition to your five starters. Um, but everybody plays by the same rules. I mean, every team knows what the deal is. Uh, the teams want to have these usually young kids up to experience what it's like to be in the major leagues for a few weeks. Uh, so there is there is a benefit to that. Um, you know, nobody nobody seems to be calling to to end the practice, and and I I I don't think the practice is going to change. So yes, you're absolutely right. Come September first, uh, you have a you know an entire army of pitchers to choose from, where you don't have that before. But everybody's got the same uh, the same situation, so it, it will continue. Now, I, I think something needs to be done about it. And it seems like a couple of years ago we, we heard, you know, rumblings that they were going to do something. But I don't know if necessarily the correct idea is just to el- eliminate the September call-ups. And I almost think that the the better idea is to expand rosters all through the season. And instead of having 25-man rosters from April through August, maybe the solution is to have 27 or, or 28 man rosters all season long. What do you think about well, that? The Players Association would love that tremendously. Would absolutely <laughs> love that. Uh, there are other solutions. In other words, each game after September 1st, you could designate three of your new pitchers, the three that you want to use on this particular day, or two, and just you know add two pitchers to the staff if you wanted to do that. I mean, there are there are things that you could possibly do. Um, but, you know, it's like the DH. You know, it's the same thing. 
uh, us American leaguers think that the National League ought to have the DH, so that these these uh, big hitters uh, who can't field anymore uh, will have an opportunity to play uh, as the DH for the next you know ten years. I mean that's what they do in the American League. You got a lot of hitting in the American League as a result of it, and the National League you still have the pitchers hit, and you have a you know usually a a, cra- a crappy crappy hitting shortstop hitting number eight and a pitcher hitting number nine and and there's a lot of yawns so you know that's that's something else that that everybody talks about but quite frankly i doubt that anybody's going to do anything about (laughs) well those of us who prefer national league baseball would welcome you to come back and and in the american league and play real baseball along with Mm, us yes you don't want to you don't want to see to do that so you know in, in a weird way I, I almost think it 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 works out well because there's there's a little something for everybody. If uh, if you want to see the sluggers, you can watch American League ball, and if and if you want to see baseball the way it was supposed to be played, you can watch NL ball. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you you mentioned just a second ago that you were watching the Rays and and you have Florida ties, and I want to talk a little bit about Florida baseball here for a second. The big news sure, a couple well, weeks I, ago I, you was know, that your listeners. Your listeners should know I live in St. Petersburg, Florida, and the Tampa yes. Bay Rays play at the Trop, which is in St. Petersburg, Florida. The other day they were talking, when, when Houston was playing Texas here, they were talking about the game in Tampa. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> you morons, the game is not in Tampa, the game is in St. Petersburg. Well, let, let's talk about the the other Florida team here for just a second. The the Marlins yes. uh, had a uh, an owner who was pretty much universally hated, and they're going to go from Jeffrey Loria to a, a group that includes Derek Jeter, who might be one of the uh, the most beloved athletes of the last twenty five uh, years or so. Um, and don't forget, is, is don't forget Jeff- Hannah and her horse. <laughs> now is Derek Jeter is is he going to be the shot in the arm to make baseball in Miami work? Well, don't forget, Jeffrey Luria, as despicable as that guy is, won two world championships. So, you know, you got to give him that. You know, yeah, the guy and I think won... that's something that gets swept under the rug a lot. I think so too. Uh, considering that the Rays, we got to the World Series in 2008, and we lost to the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, quite frankly, I think if we had won the World Series in 2008, we would be we we would be a team with with much better uh, attendance, and I think probably uh, we would we would have better teams subsequent to 2008. But it didn't happen, so we we play on a, a fairly from what I'm told by the owner, a relatively small budget, and and so we don't we don't have the money that other teams do. Uh, but in terms in terms of Miami, um, the Rays sent their season ticket holders, of which I'm one. Uh, so my wife and I were flown from uh, Tampa to Miami for a game. So we got to see that fabulous baseball park, and it is a fabulous, fabulous baseball park. And they've got they've got Giancarlo Stanton, who has hit 53 home runs. Uh, so the question then becomes, why isn't their attendance better? I know why our attendance isn't better. It's because in in uh, in, in the Tampa Bay area, uh, half the people who live here uh, are either Yankee fans or Red Sox fans or Philadelphia Philly fans or Kansas City fans, and and have refused 
to change their uh, their allegiance to the Rays, and that that makes it makes it very very difficult. Um, you know why why the Miami attendance isn't better? They say it's the location of the stadium, which I don't quite understand. You drive your car, you park your car, and 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 you know you walk into the ballpark. I mean, it's not like they're thugs waiting to, to you know <laughs> to to attack you on your way to the ballpark. So you know I don't I don't live in Miami, so I I really don't have answers as to why their attendance isn't any better. But I do think uh, Jeter. Uh, all by himself should generate a whole bunch of new fans. Um, you know, I've got a picture of Jita, uh, uh, you know, glued right to the window of my office right here. Uh, I've always always thought that, you know, starting with Babe Ruth and then Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle and Yogi Berra, uh, you know, the, the, the next person in line was Jita. Uh, he's just He's just revered. So, so, um, you know, not bad, not a bad person running your, your team. Now the answer you gave has a lot of things in there that, that I want to reply to, but let me start off with, you were talking about the ballpark in Miami and I know okay. whenever the Mets play the, the Mets broadcasters, uh, Gary Cohen and Keith Hernandez and, and Ron Darling, they always uh-huh. rave about the ballpark. They yep. cannot say enough nice things about the ballpark. And it's kind of That's confusing right. to me that Miami is, you know, it, it's a major metropolitan area. They, they have successful uh, professional sports franchises in, in football and, and basketball. And I'm not sure how well the hockey team is, but it's still there, so it must be all right. And it, it's yep. just confusing to me. They have a great ballpark. They have a great city. And why that hasn't made – the, the jump yet to being a, a great uh, major league team. At first they were talking about how the tradition of baseball needs to be established, that it would take a, a generation, but it was 1993 was, they've been around right. uh, over 25 years. So yeah. you would think that the, the roots would have taken place, especially with, as you mentioned, the, the two world series championships that they do have. But another thing that you mentioned was all of the out of, out of, town people who have not or the people who grew up in another area who kept their allegiance now i know just from my own point of view i lived for a decade in boston but i still kept my mets my my mets allegiance but i had season tickets to the red sox i went to as many games as as i could i listened to red sox games on the radio watched them on tv i pulled for the red sox too and i don't understand why the the people the 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 New Yorkers who've retired and, and moved down to to Miami haven't done the same thing. It it just seems it seems very odd to me. Yeah, odd to me too. Um, part of it is that the television audience for both the Tampa Bay Rays and the Miami team is huge. I mean, people now have these fabulous fifty, sixty inch television sets that they plunk down. Uh, you know they go to the refrigerator and grab a beer and, and sit and watch the game in the comfort of their own home. And it's like, you're there. I mean, I, we, we, we got a new TV about six months ago and, and it's, it's really addictive. So I think that's part you know, of it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's something that I think is affecting all of the sports leagues. I mean, why do you go and, and mess with traffic and, and deal sure. with all the people and maybe not have the greatest seat when you can be in the comfort yeah. of your own home 
and yep. and watch the games. But the, you know, I don't think that's an MLB specific. I think that's a uh, uh, just a, a general lifestyle thing. But right, you, you saying that thing, brings up. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the the other thing about the Miami era uh, area is that okay, you were a Mets fan. You go to Boston. You buy season tickets to the Red Sox because you're a baseball junkie. You've been a baseball right. junkie your whole life. A lot of the people who live in Miami are soccer junkies. They come from countries where soccer is the deal. And so their hearts and souls are in soccer. And that's part of the problem they have, too. Another problem that they have, and you're going to see this in the coming years ahead, is that the millennials don't go to any games. They don't go to baseball. They don't go to football. They don't go to basketball. They don't go to hockey. They sit with their little tiny machines, their smartphones, and they play uh, uh, what's that game? Uh, either Dungeons and Dragons, or uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Dirty Birds, or uh, where you wander around town picking up points, uh, or or you, you you know you kill a bunch of people. Uh, they fight the Vietnam War on their on their smartphone. Um, you you look around the when I look around the trap, I don't see anybody, almost anybody who's under fifty. Well, and again, I think that's another thing that that baseball has that that their their audience skews older. And I don't know if that's necessarily a problem. You always talk about, hey, we got to do things to attract the youth. We got to do this. We got to do that. As long as once they reach a certain age, they're still watching baseball. It's okay. It's it's if they mm-hmm. they never get mm-hmm. to that point. And you you can say that that we may experience that, but we've been talking about. Uh, MLB's uh, viewership skewing older for at least 20 years now. That's and right. They're setting they're setting attendance records. Uh, you you noted earlier that television ratings are up. I would think yep. that if it really was an issue, that we would have seen some fall off in at least one of those two things, either the in-game or the uh, sitting in the comfort of your chair watching it. And we, we well, just that's haven't true. Seen Don't that. forget, there are a lot of people in this country. <laughs> You know, there, there are a lot of people. There really are. You know, in, in New York, you know, you get 40,000 people to go to the Mets because you've got, you know, 5 million people to draw from. So it, it's just you've, you've got you've to get a certain certain percentage. In, in, in uh, Tampa Bay, the Rays have all sorts of marvelous, marvelous programs for kids. They bring kids in for $2 if they come with an adult. Uh, the players go out into the neighborhoods and they build – build ballparks and they uh, sit with kids and read to them. Uh, Evan Longoria reads to the kids. Um, They have all sorts of charities where they help, you know, poor kids. Uh, They're trying to do everything they can to get African-American kids to play baseball. Though I have to tell you, getting an African-American kid to play baseball is like pulling teeth. They want to play basketball. They want to play football. They don't want to play baseball. Um, you know, uh, uh, the, the number of African-Americans playing in the major leagues right now is something like 7%. It's unbelievable. You know, you, you mentioned all of the outreaches that the, the Rays are doing, and, and that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think Major League Baseball is doing a lot of those same things, maybe they not are. to the they're, degree they're, they're as, as a they're whole that the about, Rays are. Yeah. Yep. Sure. But one of the things that they've they've done is um, the the RBI program, which is reviving baseball in the inner cities and 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 trying to reach the the African American audience that you were just talking about. Yeah. And the Mets I, just called up. 
Yeah, the Mets yep. just called up somebody who's a product of that RBI, and that's uh, Dominic Smith, who is their, their number two prospect. So, that's fabulous. Uh, I, 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 was, think... I was involved. Let me interrupt you. I was involved with the RBI program down here in St. Petersburg for about 10 years. I'd say if we had you know, 40 kids in the RBI program, four of them were black. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yep. It, could not so get these kids. Uh, just well, couldn't get them to play. All right, well, let, let's move on. I want to circle back to something a little bit that you, you mentioned earlier. You were talking about the, being able to watch from the, the comfort of your own home. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't live in, in New York anymore, so I depend on MLB.tv for me to, to keep up with the Mets. Absolutely. And it's great because I do get to watch in the comfort of my own home and on my own yep. schedule sometimes. But the one thing that, that annoys me as, as a fan is that I am get blacked out of seeing games – from the Oreos and the Nationals, who are both around six hours, give or take, from where I live. I'm not going to drive to Baltimore or Washington to watch a game. Not going to happen. And there's, there's so gotta the Mets be play somewhere. the Nationals 18, 18 times a year, yeah. and that's 18 times a year when I want to watch the product, and I can't do it because of archaic rules. So how do, how do we way. fix that? There's got to be some way got to be in this age of you know watching any freaking game you absolutely want to watch there's got to be some way you got to ask some 13 year old kid how you do it they'll tell you <laughs> well you take the well, line you I, plug I it in here you, you you push a few buttons and bingo you get the washington nationals there's got to be a way i, I have always a, a way i have a son who's about that age and he's very technologically inclined and uh-huh. and he could change it so it, it would look like I was watching it from oh I don't know Alaska and, yeah, exactly. and not be blacked out of anything. There you go. But just the idea, just the idea that that MLB, who I'm giving money to, is making me become a criminal in order to watch games that I have no opportunity to go to or watch. It, it's insanity. Let me explain and, something and I, to you. Brian, let me explain to you. There's an expression. You can love a baseball team, but it will never love you back. (laughs) That's the the expression. That's it. (laughs) So just do the best you can. That's all I can tell you. All right. Well, uh, speaking of doing the best that we can, the Mets have been – had the the great fortune to have the Honorable Terry Collins as their manager um, the last seven years. Yeah, great. <laughs> and and uh, TC, you know, he's won praise for his ability to handle the media, but oh, you know, he kind of leaves everybody scratching their heads with you know what he does in the dugout. And what I want to know from you is, can you make a case for a guy being a good manager uh, if his off-field performance is good and his in the dugout moves are horrible? Yeah, here's the can case that I can possibly make. be. Yes, here's the case I can make, because we have Kevin Cash, who is the Terry Collins of the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> he, 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 he'll, 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 leave, he'll have a pitcher out there who's basically zooming along and doing just fine, and he gets two outs in the sixth inning. He's a right-handed pitcher, and all of a sudden, the other team has a lefty comes up, and he takes the guy out and brings in the lefty reliever to, to face him. The guy's pitching along great. He probably could have pitched a complete game. He pulls him out. Collins does the same thing. The reason they've got the the Kevin Cashes and the Terry Collins is that the general manager 
sits down with these guys before they sign their contracts, and they say to them, look, we will make you the manager, but number one, what you have to do is do what I want you to do. You've got to be my bobo. If you'll be my bobo, I'll pay you your million dollars a year, and you can manage the team. And Collins does that. Cash does that. And I'll bet half the managers will do that. Because you now have, with the Sabre metrics and all of the shifts and all of the, the stuff, you know, we've got, we've got eight Harvard graduates sitting in a foxhole somewhere figuring out what the manager needs to know. And so I don't know whether they have walkie-talkies or whether they whisper in their ear, but basically these managers are doing what the general managers and their numbers guys want them to do. The mad, I, I would bet you anything, it's not the managers who even figure out the lineups in many cases. So, I mean, this is what you have. You, you know, it's, it's, it's like a corporate, it's, it's like a very fine-tuned corporate watch. You've got a general manager who's very happy with his manager because the manager does what he wants him to do. The fans may hate the guy's guts, but that's, you know, kind of too bad. I, I wrote an article, uh, I think it was in, in the off season, where I, I complimented Terry Collins on his ability to stay employed, to keep yeah. cashing checks because yeah. he did the, the general manager's bidding. But I think that if we if we step back and and look at it from ownership's point of view, that yep. it makes sense for the for the general manager who's higher up on the food chain to institute some kind of uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for some kind of overarching organizational strategy. Yeah, exactly. But I think that there's a place you're, for a manager yeah, your to come in. Program. Yeah, and, but well, at the, other the same thing, time, there, there should be creative friction between the manager and the general manager. Of course there should. The other thing, of course, is that Billy Martin is dead. Earl <laughs> Weaver is dead. You know, Lou Pinella is retired. Um, it, it's a different world. Uh, people tell me that, that if Billy Martin were the manager today, he'd have real trouble with his players because they would chafe at his demands. Of course, I find that to be nonsense. But part of part of why they have the Terry Collinses and part of why they have the Kevin Cashes is because these guys' jobs are to pat them on the back, tell them what a great job they're doing, even if they're hitting 220, even if they've given up eight runs on the day, and go in front of the uh, of the the post game and and tell the Mets people. He really pitched a very good game, except for the three home runs. That's 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 what he's supposed to do. I mean, you never these these general managers do not want discord. You know, they don't want a manager, uh, you know, like Billy or like Earl Weaver or like Dick Williams, who will say to some guy, "Why don't you get your head out of your ass?" They don't want that anymore. And so you get Terry Collins and you get Kevin Cash. Well, that's enough of that sad, sorry topic. Um, <laughs> we have a we have a segment here on the show where where each week we make a crazy prediction. Okay, uh-huh. I'll give you mine. Yeah. I'll okay. give you mine, and then I'm going to ask you to to decide how crazy my prediction is, and then I'm going to ask you for yours. Okay. Okay. Sure. 
All right, so, so my crazy prediction this week is that MLB will announce expansion within the next five years, and within the next 10 years, MLB will have 32 teams. How crazy is that? It's not crazy. Now, here's the other, the other aspect of it. And where will, where will one of those two teams be? Uh, Mexico, I would say that Mexico City. Mexico City. Wow. You, yep. So you're going to send them to the death squads in Mexico, huh? Absolutely. Absolutely, I would. <laughs> sure. Sure. Sure, I would. Mexico City. Yep. yep. I, I and it'll see, be interesting to see where the other one is. Yeah, international. I, I the other see one international, might. but I'm in the other direction. I'm going back to Montreal. Oh, please. Are you kidding me? I think with wow. I think with uh with a better ownership situation from the start, there's no but reason that, that baseball in Montreal. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I don't know. They got screwed in ninety four when, when everybody went on strike. That was the end of their franchise right there, unfortunately. Uh very unfortunately. All right, well you yeah. shot down mine. You didn't think mine okay. was crazy. So no, what's no, yours? I didn't what's shoot your down crazy? yours. I, I, I said that it's, yours had had a very good chance of coming true, actually. But so yeah. then it's not crazy. Not crazy. So give me your crazy prediction. All right, here. Here's my crazy prediction. Starting tomorrow, the Tampa Bay Rays will win their next ten games and will end up That's in the crazy. World Series. How's that? Uh uh certifiable. I love uh-huh. it. I love yes. the craziness of it. Absolutely. All right, so, all right, so I, I don't I don't know their schedule. Who are they playing in the next ten games? They're they're only playing the Boston Red Sox, the New York Yankees, the Chicago Cubs, <laughs> and the the Baltimore Orioles. That's it. They're playing uh, those four teams. So, so, Another twenty five right. games. Wow. Wow. Hey. That that. Hey, you know what? There, there's there's going out on a thin limb. All right. And then they're mm-hmm. going out on a on a limb so thin <laughs> that it wouldn't even support a baby bird, and I think yes. that's the limb you're out on there with your crazy prediction. I love yes, the craziness. Well, all right, even my <laughs> even my wife won't go to the games half the time. She's so she's so disgusted. All right, but, well, um, I want I want to talk about injuries because it's been such yeah. a, a a huge issue with stars going on the DL left and right. And they you know, have no the idea. Had, they uh, have no idea how to prevent injuries. No idea. They don't have a clue. <laughs> they don't have a freaking um, clue. And I'll tell you what's ridiculous about the injuries: these teams don't have, don't force their players to work out under their supervision. These teams allow these guys to go home and lift 400-pound weights or do whatever nonsense they want to do to get bigger and stronger, and never mind taking the HDH and the steroids and the rest of it, which they do, but that's a different story. But these teams need to force their players to work out 12 months a year under their supervision because now every pitcher, if he doesn't throw 95 miles an hour, doesn't seem to make the team. And the only way you make it to throw 95 miles an hour is to be lifting weights two, three, four hours a day. And when you pitch 95 miles an hour, after a year or two years, you end up Tommy John surgery. Everybody. The pitches are unbelievable. Uh, The hitters, a lot of their injuries are leg injuries because all of them want to be bigger, run faster, be stronger, and, and... you know, a lot of these guys just work out too much, and nobody's supervising them. Nobody's watching them to make sure they don't overdo it. And so when you see guys pulling 
hamstring muscles. It's because they've lifted too many weights and, and they're you know, working at getting bigger and stronger too hard. And there's nobody to stop them. And therefore, you have all these injuries. All right. Well, we only have about 90 seconds left. I've had such great fun talking to you about baseball, but I, I really feel as also a college basketball fan that, that I, would, I, I would be missing a huge opportunity if I didn't get your take on a college basketball issue that's happening in my neighborhood. And, and there's a big academic fraud issue going on with the University of North Carolina, which I'm sure that you're aware of. And well, just since I wrote personal fouls, I wrote personal fouls that got uh, – <laughs> <laughs> that that got so the, you know a little uh, bit about uh, NC you State know a little bit about uh, fraud. Yes, a little bit. Yes, um, it, so it, it what, happens everywhere. What's your opinion it's, on what? it's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. It's, it's, I'm you know, look, but every one of these major colleges has a system that prevents their athletes from being arrested for sexual assault and prevents their athletes from from failing. The courses. In other words, to keep these people eligible to play, you've got to keep them away from the police and you have got to make sure they don't fail. And every one of these colleges has a way to do that. And it's just unbelievable. I mean, there was this article about Florida State in the, in the New York Times the other day. The Florida State players were cheating. They were, they were cheating on their tests and they were turned in. And the woman who turned them in was fired, and she later, uh, we think, she committed suicide. It's unbelievable. Mm. Yeah. Well, we so are all out take. of time. I, yeah, we. Uh, I thank you for that. We are all out of time. I'd like to uh, thank Peter for uh, fighting through our technical difficulties and agreeing to come back again. And, and Peter, I, I hope you had a good time, and I hope you'll consider coming back on in the future. Anytime, Brian. It was a hoot. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, please join us again uh, next uh, Wednesday night at 11 o'clock. Good night, everyone, and goodbye. Take care.